Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to WBRX Wake Up Call, 8.30 a.m., and, um, you know, this this call is kind of a dedicated time uh, for uh, Sean and, and myself to come on and just share, you know, thoughts and information that is relevant to where most people are as they're building their business and, and just share experiences and ideas and, uh, you know, kind of give us all an, an opportunity to huddle up and, and uh, you know, just talk about things that, that are going on with us as we're in this space of building our business. And, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, it, you know, these calls, by the way, because I've had several people ask me, are designed to be recorded and shared on our podcast. Um, so I think that we're going to have that in motion. Some folks have mentioned that they didn't have some of the recordings as of late. Uh, we're going to get caught up on that and, and get these out there because uh, not everybody has an opportunity to jump on live, but they still want to hear information to get their week going. Some people have, they work late night shifts. Uh, one, one gentleman was telling me, and just it's very hard for him to stay awake. And I, I didn't take that personally whatsoever. I understood. And, you know, it, and so just stuff like that, just accessing information, you know, and, and we try to cover specific topics. We don't have a script. It's just, it's just solid information um, that, that kind of in some way is a reflection of what we hope will be helpful for you as you're building this business. And this morning, you know, I, I wanted to share some things. You know, I, I had an opportunity last week to kind of get caught up on some of my reading uh, and, and went back and, and read the book Think and Grow Rich from cover to cover. You know, and, and the reason I did that is it, it was just a read that inspired me so much. And if you look at the three pillars that we want to build our organization on, it's, it's to inspire, not aspire, but to inspire, to lead, and to grow, right? And that, that is kind of the mantra that we have. But before you can inspire somebody else, the first thing you have to do is become inspired, right? And I recognize that sometimes the well can get a little bit low, and you have to fill it up again, and, um, you know, what's in our hearts and our minds. And sometimes the, that information is hard to convey, but – I read that book, and uh, you know it's, it's a phenomenal read, by the way. If you haven't had a chance to address it, Napoleon Hill, uh, you know, was a, a gentleman, you know, back in that time, and talking about in the 20s and 30s that uh, had, it, you know, just taken it upon himself. He he'd actually had a relationship uh, with um, Andrew Carnegie, and 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 they, you know, he Carnegie had his entire list of people that he knew that were relevant. They, they were industry movers. They were billionaires. They were self-made millionaires. And they all had specific things that led them to have a great experience. And, and you can look at the common denominators. And basically what Napoleon did is he interviewed uh, about 500, about 500. And then he took the, the, the content of those interviews and combi compiled them into this text of Think and Grow Rich. Now, what that book is really about it is really how you can design and orchestrate a life based upon your pattern of thought. I mean, that's a very high-level summary. There's a lot more to it. But um, I can tell you that, that the reason I went back and read it is that I was first introduced to this book, um, you know, when I was a, a personal, when I was a distributor. Okay, this is probably about 1994, 1995, in that time frame. And, um, you know, what was taking place with me is my entire world had been, had been kind of turned upside down. I, I had gone to school, got a degree in exercise physiology. It's a fancy way of saying this ed was probably in my mind going to go out and become, a, you know, a baseball coach of a major college university because I believed, I, I, you know, that was kind of the pattern that I had set out for myself. And I started pursuing it in the early steps, um, you know, got a job at uh, a junior college and then, I've got a coaching job at the school I went to, Cal State University. And so all that was my pattern. And then I started to realize that that pattern became disrupted by something that was welling up inside of me. You know, so I had a pattern that I had set out, gone to school, this is what I'm going to do. And that pattern that had been disrupted was because that I realized that what I was doing was not going to give me some of the outcomes of what I, what I was hoping for in life to be able to travel, to be able to experience things uh, in, in, a, in an area of abundance, not just money, but experiential, uh, the people I would meet, the places I would go, the things that I would do. I realized that, that there was nothing wrong at all with being a head baseball coach and experiencing 
the, the teams that you'd have and, the, and the, ex, the exceptional experiences in that area. But I just, there was something about me. I just needed something different. And I came to a realization uh, simultaneous to that after I had kind of gotten involved in this industry of network marketing and started to see that there were people that were accomplishing huge things, not just as distributors in the industry, but I was exposed to a lot of people. And, and what I realized, and I made these notes in my journal, I went back because I, one of the things that the book um, will tell you to do is to start journaling, uh, you know, your days. And, and the, you know, and there have been times and years where I've journaled every day of those years, and there have been days, there have been times where I've journaled maybe a week out of the month at the very minimum. Uh, but but as you as I reflected back in my journals, the thing that stood out in my mind were the standards that I had established changed. I had changed standards. I no longer wanted to just you know, generate uh, an income of maybe a hundred, you know, one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, uh, which is what I was doing, owning a health club and a, and a uh, physical therapy practice. I was generating that income. I was spending what I was making, but there, it, it, it was just there, my mind started to become um, attracted to different things. And I can vividly remember, and I've said this in front of people oftentimes in the morning. Sometimes when I was counting reps. I would start to ask myself, "Is there something else I could be doing with my life as a young man?" And it was at that time that I started to realize that, that not only had the standards that I, I had set for myself had to be kind of changed to accomplish and fulfill some of the desires that I had, but uh, the expectations and, and, and what I was looking to do. So, so in these early days of, of generating revenue in, in that additional business, there were people that were generating very good revenue. I'm talking about, you know, at that time, 60, 70, 80, $100,000 a month. Okay. Now, I was not yet at that point. Uh, I was, you know, and, and frankly, had it not been for those people in my environment, it would have probably been challenging for me to have accepted that it's possible. Oftentimes, uh, people will adhere or become, uh, for the lack of a better word, they, they will become part of their environment. If you get around a bunch of folks that are doing extremely well, you'll find that your expectations will will increase. They won't decrease. Now, on the other side of it, because your, your mind is relatively neutral, if you get into an environment where the expectations are not high and the standards are not high, well, the, the same thing is true. It, it doesn't change. You also will become a product of that environment, and your expectations won't be very big. You're not going to be excited about growing and changing because you're in an environment where it's acceptable. So, so for me, I, I was introduced to this new environment of bigger thinking, of generating a higher amount of revenue. Now, prior to that, I owned a health club and a physical therapy practice. It was fine. I mean, everybody, you know, it, it was just an environment. People would come in. I was training them, clients. You know, I had a, a, a nice uh, daily, uh, you know, conversation with people I saw consistently. And it was, it, you know, there's a lot of people that would say, well, hey, Barry, you know, you know, you should, you should be happy that, uh, you, you know, where you're at. You know, it's the old, like in the Bible, you know, it's, you know, be happy that you have shoes. There are a lot of people that don't have feet, right? I mean, I, I, I get the picture, but, but there was something that was occurring inside of me. And so I went on that journey and, and did, a, you know, we did extremely well. I ended up leaving that health club and physical therapy practice, and I evolved into this other, it was a, yet another change for me. Now, I share this with you guys because I know that our lives become in some, on some level a pattern, and in order for that pattern to become disrupted, sometimes we have to step back and look at what's going on. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, whatever you can step back and get out of your environment and take a look and, and see what's going on. There's always reasons for that, and, and we are always the product of decisions we make. I am a product of all the decisions I've made. No one else is responsible for, for, for the things that have happened on the good side or the negative. It's been really me. And I share that with you because, in, you know, there have been instances in my life, even as an adult, as an older adult, where we can fall into this ridiculous pattern of casting blame, uh, which is a personality disorder in its very essence, right, casting blame. But we can find ourselves in that situation where we're not willing to take personal responsibility for where we are and what got us here. And unless you do that, unless you genuinely really do that, you can't possibly be responsible 
for what's going to happen in your life. In other words, until I recognize I'm 100% responsible for where I am, the circumstances, uh, you know, where I live, uh, you know, how much money I'm generating, how my kids are doing every day, if I can't be responsible for that, then how in the world can I be responsible for setting and establishing a pattern of moving forward? And I find that as I meet and talk with people, oftentimes, truth be known, uh, you know, just short of waiting for manna to fall from the sky, people just kind of exist day to day thinking something else is going to happen and everything will change. And, and, and statistically, we realize that the vast majority of people wake up every day and they go through their pattern, their routine, and they do this day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out. And then they look back after years have gone by and they ask themselves, you know, what in the world, you know, what, how come I haven't really made these changes? Now, I share that with you because oftentimes when we're in this business of, of kind of sharing a business opportunity, the first thing that has to happen is we have to have some sort of connection with people on some level about why we made the decision and what are the changes that we're looking to make and why are we looking to make those changes before somebody else is going to kind of let their guard down and, and connect with us, and, you know? And, and so, uh, you know, in the time that I was building the business originally, I would just share, I learned this because I read this book and I learned that I, I could just connect with people and say, look, you know, I know all this stuff here on the outside looks good. I know you see the equipment, you see the building, uh, but let me just connect with you and share with you where I'm really at. I need to do something in addition to, I need to do something different in order to get the results I'm hoping to get. I can't just keep doing the same thing. I don't know about you, uh, Frank. I don't know about you, Sally. I don't know about you, John. But in order for me to have different results in my life, I've got to change to have those different results. I have to make that personal change. Me, me, just me. Now, once I make the change, then my outside environment will begin to change. Well, that can be difficult for people to accept. I had no idea at the time that I was involved in this business that the biggest problem I had was me until I had to face me. And I had to recognize some of the challenges in my personality. I had to recognize some of it. And by the way, this is not a journey that stopped at that time. This is a journey that's ongoing today. And the reason I share this reflection with you is that as I look today at the standards that I've established and set for myself in my life today, and here's the, here's the real big challenge. You can have standards and you can have expectations, right? But the real key is your belief. The real key is your belief. Because I can tell you right now, unless that belief is attached and there's actions put into that faith, you're not going to have the results that you want. I'll give you an example. Right now, if I said to you all, you know, most of you are either, you know, you're in, you're in your work mode, you're, it's Monday morning, right? And we have a pattern in our mind of how this day is going to go, okay? We do, all of us. And we believe, for example, let's say that um, I'm going to drive to, uh, uh, you know, to my work or my case that I'm going to be doing, and I, I kind of know in my mind how it's going to go, but I believe without a doubt I'm going to end up getting there. Well, that's a, strong, that's a strong belief in the likelihood of you actually accomplishing it or based upon, it's based upon a pattern that you've established over time. You believe that you can accomplish it. Now, until that pattern's established, until you've known how to get to a place, you've relied on GPS, uh, you have no idea how to get there, so you're relying on, on a direction. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, when I first got involved in this business, I had to believe and rely on the direction that I had because I had never built this business before. And by the way, I had never earned a million dollars a year or more. I had to rely on a pattern of, of thought and experience that came from people that did it before me. Now, that was not easy. I had to subject myself. I had to put myself into a unique circumstance because I wanted that and I desired that result so much that to me the best way to accomplish it was to model in some, in, some, uh, you know, in some directions, in some way, to accomplish that. But it was very challenging. It was much easier for me to stay within the pattern that I was in than to challenge myself and recognize that I had to do some things different. I had to change me. Now, once I did that and I started seeing the needle move a little bit, by the way, it didn't happen right away. 
I remember making some of those really drastic changes. I can give you an example. My, my sponsor, uh, Greg Chudikoff, I would get up and try to communicate, you know, maybe a part of the presentation or share my testimonial. And, uh, you know, Greg was a trial attorney, you know, and, and he, you know, he didn't really like subjecting the folks he had in the room to what I had to say because I wasn't that good. Now, I didn't want to accept it at that time. Right? I just wasn't effective at communicating in front of a room. I, it wasn't that I didn't know how to talk. It's that I didn't have a way of measuring a pattern of information that would be relevant to other people. Didn't have it. In, I never had experienced it. And some, some days it would be better than others, but some days, man, I was just didn't have my thoughts organized. I had not really experienced this pattern of speaking. But Greg was phenomenal, but I wasn't. He had no problem telling me man, dude, I just don't want to put people in front of you. This was my sponsor. And, and I had to really, at first I was so upset and so angry because I, you know, I was very narcissistic and very ego-driven. And I thought, well, hell, I'm better than that guy. He's just jealous. Well, the reality was he was right. I wasn't willing to listen to that information. The accountability functionality inside of me, I wasn't ready to hear. And Greg, by the way, was making a lot more money than I was making. But I just said, you know what? I've got two choices. I can quit or I can keep going. It really boils down to that. If I quit, all I got is all I'm going to get. Or if I keep going down this journey and I keep challenging myself to get better, just sharing one example with you, then, then things can possibly change. And I would look at, at other folks that were very effective at communicating in front of a room or communicating uh, you know, messaging and and so forth, which is part of the business. It's not the only part. And I would say to myself, you know, I think they're better than me, but I think I can get to that point. I think I can accomplish it if I keep working, if I keep formulating these ideas, if I keep structuring my words. Because, you know, speaking in front of people, by the way, is not something that most people really like to do. You know, in fact, for me, it was just, you know, this, it, was, it was very challenging. It was, you know, called terror, right? It was, it was sometimes depending upon the size of the audience, man, it, wasn't, it was probably just not something that just I, I woke up in the morning and woke up in life and said, this is what I can do. Now, once I started getting myself into a place where I started doing it consistently enough, what I realized is that I was able, I was very good one-on-one or one-on-two you know, or three with a small group, but it was a larger group that was really exacerbating and challenging those insecurities and those things inside of me that I wasn't prepared to deal with. Once I got to a point of dealing with those things and just putting caution to the wind and saying, I'm going to get out and get uncomfortable. I'm going to live in the uncomfortable and natural and unbelievable. I'm going to do the things I believe will get me closer to where I want to go. It's not fun. I didn't like it, by the way. I didn't like it. I didn't like being told that I was terrible in front of a group. I had to deal with it. But once I started doing this repetitiously over and over again, I did see things begin to change. I started watching the audience, and they started responding to me differently. I started to see heads nod. I started to hear acknowledgments from other people. And once I started to hear the acknowledgments from other people, then guess what happened? I started to gain a little bit more confidence. And then I would have people tell me, hey, that was pretty good. That was a good job. It let me know I was making progress. And all of us have experienced this, right? The most difficult thing to do is to regiment yourself, for example, to a diet, and you're expecting to lose weight. And you know the first 10 pounds are much more difficult than the next 20 or 30 if that happens to be your circumstance. Talk to anybody that's gone through a serious weight loss challenge, right, as an example. But once you do get a little bit of momentum and a little bit of confidence, then things do begin to change. And guys, I have to tell you, life and our business is the same thing. Most people, you have to realize this, know this going in the deal. We know statistically that of every 20 people that you sponsor, you're going to have three to four that are going to quit. Is that your responsibility? Absolutely not. You know what your responsibility is? To introduce people to the business opportunity. You know what their responsibility is? Either to accept it or not accept it. It's really that simple. We want to be a good sponsor. We want to provide the, um, you know, the, the structure. We want to provide the mechanisms and the ways for other people to have success, but we can't be responsible for their success or their lack of success. And then there's the other, other three or four people out of the 20 that you sponsor 
they're going to incubate. What does that mean, incubate? Well, all of us know what an incubator is. If you have a baby that's in an incubator, it's basically just there surviving off of the nutrients, the conditions, the everything around it to make sure that that baby thrives over time because it's not yet ready to face the, the world as it is, right? And so it might have to have oxygen. It might have to have um, intravenous therapy of some sort. I mean, you know, we're not yet ready to face. And so a lot of folks that get involved in our business, they're not necessarily coming in as self-starters. Maybe they've worked in a job where any, you know, day in and day out they're told what time to be there, they're told what time they can have their break, and they're told how much vacation they have, and they're regimented in that thought process as an employee. Now, I, can pro- I will promise you that is not an easy pattern to break because when people get over and then they start you know, quote, their own business, the most difficult thing for people to do is to hold themselves accountable to a structure and a schedule that they have to mandate to themselves to accomplish their own goals. But I will tell you, I was, I was having a great conversation with a gentleman. I, I played golf with my neighbor across the street. He sells insurance. And it's interesting, the skill sets of those that sell insurance and real estate, network marketing, people skills, they're relatively close. And he said to me, Barry, I tell my guys, listen, if you can, after you have the policy sold, if you can just answer phone calls and do your best to solve problems, you're doing 90% better than most people. Most people will not do that. I find that in our business, the, the challenge that most people have is getting through the early stages of what's required to pour themselves into building this business. They, don't, they may want to make an additional revenue. Maybe the desire is not to become a professional network marketer or go pro. I understand all of that. And, and, and I just try to get people to match up the expectations with what they're willing to put into it. Because in no case or no circumstance ever uh, will you ever hear Sean and I tell you that this is something that uh, it, you know, doesn't require work. No, it's network marketing. And the majority of the work that you're going to have to do is going to be on yourself. It's not going to be on the six-step program. It won't even be on the, it won't be on the comp plan. It, it's getting yourself into a place where you make the conscientious decisions that you're going to do what's required to have success. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's all it's going to take. I'm saying that is the beginning. And once you can start to regiment yourself and make the changes and start increasing the standards and start increasing the expectations and start doing the things required without anybody else prodding you, that's the key, right, is that you did it because you made those decisions. And no one has the ability to get you up. No one has the ability to get you down. You just keep going. Because you have a belief that what you're doing is going to help you accomplish the outcome. Now, that was not easy for me. I didn't necessarily believe if I committed myself to the marketing strategy, if I committed myself to these things that were required of me to become better, that I was going to get to where I wanted to go. Fortunately for me, as favor would have it, is I had some leaders in my company that were strong. They were, had already, they were ahead of me in their personal development. Oftentimes you'll see... Uh, that, that people uh, that start having marginal levels of success in our business have gone through some personal development in their life at some point. And they've, they've been out there. They've experienced the work world. They know what, how you can get your butt kicked you know, 20 times from Sunday and not even realize it until they start, go, they start kind of going down the road in life and they realize I've got to do something where I can have this expectation of time and money if they have that. And then they start looking at that direction. They start looking for ways to build a residual income, a book of business. Because unless you have an asset portfolio that you've established or you have uh, you know, maybe written a best-selling book or sung a, a phenomenal song that you know, has gotten a lot of um, direction for yourself, those things will oftentimes move, uh, move to a point where, where you don't even know. You don't even realize. And now, now here's what I would challenge you with. All of us on the phone right now, I'm getting ready to turn the call over to my partner, Sean, because I oftentimes have gone a little bit long, and I don't want to do that today. Here's the thing. Everybody on the call has a pattern. And your pattern of how you wake up in the morning, how you get your cup of coffee, uh, you know, how you set your schedule, okay, every little thing that you do, has given you the outcome that you have right now. I have the same situation. Sean has the same. We're all 
none of us are unique and separate apart from each other. We all have a pattern that we do consciously. Okay, so unconsciously, we're, we're capable. And then, and then there are other, uh, there are those of us that realize that unless we uh, do some things to disrupt that pattern, we're probably not going to be in a circumstance where we're going to have the outcomes. Because the first thing that has to change is if I want more, I have to become more. Never changes. That will never change. I, I'm not going to look at this person or that person. I, man, I've got things that – you think, Sean, I don't have things that are frustrating to us? Of course we do. Is, is IT frustrating at times? Yes. What does that mean? We've got to get better. Is our shipping, our, our d- deliveries in, is our, is our fulfillment, our warehouse, is different things? It, it all boils back. It all reverts back to the same thing. We're going to have to get ahead of things before things start to flow. Are there things that we could be doing to attract better leaders into our company? Yes. You know what it's called? Becoming a better leader. Becoming a more effective communicator. Becoming someone who's more deliberate. That's the answer. It's not out there. That's the wind that blows. Wind blows on all of us. Same wind. The difference between how I get to where I want to go or how you get to where you want to go is going to be how you set your sail. And I made the determination personally but the only way for me to get to where I believe I would like to go for myself and my family is to redirect my sale and focus in on how I can become better. How can I become a better leader? How can I become a better provider? How can I become a better friend? How can I become uh, a better person who, who walks you know, uh, through the circumstances as they are and resolve and solve problems? How can I be, Because, by the way, the people that solve the majority of the problems – are the ones that make the majority of the money. And I can only share this on with this. Look, until I had made a million dollars a year, I was believing very much so that it could happen. But I gained steam and momentum that went from 250 to 500 to a million. And it increased beyond that, all the way up to just under three, 3 million a year. Now, I've never made 5 million in a year, and I've never made 10 million a year. There is the difference. The difference is the standards that I set for myself. And how can that be accomplished? Very simple. How can I serve the people that are within my group, and how can I help them accomplish their goals? How can I help them accomplish and increase their standards? What can I do to help them resolve the challenges that they have? Because the more problems I help other people solve, the more problems will become solved for me. The more money I can help other people make, the more money we can make. It's really a complimentary, beautiful, entrepreneurial driven opportunity that's pure it's purest in its purest form because in order for us to do well it's all about how we surround ourselves with other people that are doing well and desire to do better so anyway guys with that it's phenomenal a week we've got a lot of things in store uh you know by the way if you haven't set it in your calendar on the 15th of this particular week we're going to be up in fort worth texas uh you may want to you know take it upon yourself to come on up there and add value to the meeting, bring some people, do some things that are out of the ordinary. Set some agendas that are out of your normal pattern and do the unbelievable, the unnatural, and the uncomfortable and see what happens in your life, all right? So with that, I'm gonna turn the call over to my partner, Sean. I appreciate you so much, Sean, for all that you do and looking forward to all that's out there today and this week. We've got a lot of great things. So I'm gonna turn it over to you, brother. Thank you so much. Hey, great job, Barry. I'm glad you're back in the saddle. Glad to have you back. And, and guys, this week uh, it's going to be, you know, the rest of this month really very spot on. This week's a big week, but then, you know, almost immediately following, we've got some great stuff going on out in Belton. And it's good that, that we're kind of starting to spread it around because you guys will get to see when you host your own event, you know, as Barry's talking about the evolution of a leader and, you know, his own evolution from not, you know, from, from attending the meeting to then helping set up for the meeting to then speaking at the meeting to then, taking the criticism about speaking at the meeting. I mean, it really is a process. It is an evolution. It's funny as I listen to him, I, I have my own exact version. I remember going to the first meeting, you know, very moved to Houston from Atlanta. He got a very, very nice corner office. I don't remember what floor it was on, but in the area, in the area of Houston called Buffalo Speedway. And it's a very commercial area. And I'm talking class A buildings and high end day spas and, you know, just, just expensive restaurants. It's just a very nice part of town. And I remember going from that meeting, you know, and, and seeing his corner office and high rise and meeting Dr. This and Dr. That and, 
and professional athlete and, and, and entrepreneur and business builder and all these folks to then getting involved in the business. You know, you kind of fast forward. I, I get involved in the business. Well, I don't have an office, and I don't have a corner suite, and I don't have a high rise. And I started making a number of excuses for why, you know, Barry could get people to move or get inspire people or 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 move people from one level of understanding to another. And I started making about making it. I mean, I'm just being honest, you know. And hopefully, we can all be honest with ourselves. I started making it about all the things that weren't really there, like. My personality and my skill set was what was going to make me successful or not. My ability to evolve and to learn leadership skills and to become something that I wasn't yet is what was going to do it. It wasn't the right suit or the wrong suit or the right watch or the wrong watch or the, the right office or no office in my case, right? And I'm not saying those things don't help. Don't get me wrong. I mean, people, they do look, you know, never with the old uh, – the old deodorant commercial, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So you should always dress your best and put your best foot forward and fix your hair and shave your face if you're a guy or shave your legs if you're a gal, whatever. Uh, and I'm being silly, but I'm just saying, like, you should always put your best foot forward, but don't make the business about a lot of things that it's not. It's about the 6 Step marketing program. It's about your vision and where you want to go with the company. It is about phenomenal products. It's about a wellness revolution. It's about taking your health care back, you know, taking responsibility for your temple, your body, what you put in it, what output you have, when you rest, when you take vacation, when you take time off, when you go work out, when you push yourself harder than, than maybe, you know, you normally would because there's a reason to. I mean, that's all, that's all the arena of your responsibility. And, and I say that because, you know, as Barry mentioned, you know, he, he, kind, of, he kind of brushed by and part of his talk today about a weight about a weight management program or a weight loss program or a diet or a fad diet or lifestyle diet. You know, there's there's all kind of you just you just hear everything about diet, diet, diet. Well that's because normally and I and I've talked about myself, I'm not trying to put you know out 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 anybody on the phone or anything like that, but I'll look at me. You know, I went from exercising every day in the military, every day. Wasn't was not an option. So very Barry does a great job talking about your routine. So if you join the military, they make the routine for you. You get up when they tell you to get up, and you do the kind of exercises, and you eat when they tell you to eat. Now, they don't tell you what to eat, but they tell you when to eat, and they tell you when you're done. And, and so I went from this very regimented, you know, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, be running on the pavement by 5.30, you know, eat, work, exercise, and, and, and take care of myself and do over and over and over, right? Well, I get out of the military. And I go into corporate America where, of course, they tell you what time to be at work, and they tell you what time your lunch break is, and then they tell you what time you can go home. Very militant, by the way, very very ownership mindset, right? I mean, of, of an individual, not of the job, but, but very, you know, corporate America is just not is a is an extension of a military type life, even though people don't want to don't want to acknowledge that all the time. But all that to say, I went from the best shape of my life to the worst shape of my life. And I wanted to blame, you know, someone else. Well, the reality is, is when, when I wasn't made to get up and go run, I didn't go run. I failed in that discipline. I didn't exercise. I didn't take care of myself. Now, mind you, I had some pretty decent excuses. I had two kids, both under the age of four, in private school that I never got to see. You know, but, but what that meant to me was, well, I can't get up and go, you know, get up at four instead of five and go work out for just 30 minutes or 15 minutes. That's, that's bull. In hindsight, now, did I want to? No. Is it fun to get up at 4.30? No. But was it fun gaining, you know, 50, 55 pounds over my ideal weight and struggling from acid reflux or back pain? No, th those things weren't fun either. And so the moral of my story is that you are exchanging. You, you are sacrificing something. So if you're not sacrificing your time to go to the gym, as an example, and you put on an extra 20 or 30 or 40 pounds like I did, then that, that lack or that, that uh, the choice of time to go to the gym means you're going to sacrifice something else. And in my case, it was my weight. It was my overall health. And it was bad. It was not good at a very young age. And, and so I tell you all that to say that you guys know I went through a, a weight management program here recently, I guess, Gosh, now I guess it'd be, uh, be, about, be about two years this, this August or September. 
No, I take it back. I, I started it in October, and I only remember that because it went through the Thanksgiving holiday, which was really tough to be on a on a diet program, you know, through the Thanksgiving holiday. But this Thanksgiving will be two years. I lost a total of 50 pounds, and I've kept somewhere between 42 and 45 of it off. So I put, I put back on somewhere between five and seven or eight pounds. Now, the reason I tell you guys that is because initially – just like my journey as a distributorship, when I got involved as a distributor, I just needed to make $10,000. And the truth is, guys, I thought I would make that $10,000. Well, I hoped that I would make that $10,000. I don't know how much of a reality I thought it was, but I hoped I would make $10,000. And when I did, I thought, well, I'll make $10,000 maybe, and if I do, I'll pay off my debt, and I'll go back to my J-O-B, I'll go back to normal, right? I'll go back to my life, and and I'll be back on track. Well, when I made $10,000, I thought, my Lord, that was easier, much easier, and much more efficient, and it was much quicker than, than, I mean, it would have taken me, in my J-O-B, it would have taken me, probably four or five months to, to make $10,000. I guess it would have taken me about three or four months to make $10,000, but it would have taken me eight or 10 or 12 months to profit $10,000. And there's a big difference. Well, my distributorship money was actually real, bona fide, pure profit. And so when that happened, I thought, well, I like this. I want more of this. And well, the reason I tied that together is because the same thing happened with my diet. I knew you know, I had been taking Zantac 150 for 20 years. The FDA and their infinite wisdom came out and said, oops, sorry, this product now is known to cause cancer. So overnight, the product that I was using that was keeping my reflux at bay and was working for me got pulled off the market, got a big nasty threat, got warning letters to all of its users, and I was back to facing either having reflux or looking for an alternative pill that was probably going to have some side effect either now or in the future, just like Zantac. So I got on this diet regimen, this lifestyle choice, and again, back to, the, back to the kind of the mindset of when I was a distributor, I thought, well, if I can just lose 20 or 30 pounds in a month or two, that'll give me, you know, I'll get back to, back to flush, and then I can go back to eating like I want, or I can go back to my regular lifestyle, right? That's just, I think that's inherent with us as human beings. We, we, we start running we get in a regimen, we go from, you know, not being able to walk a mile to being able to run a mile to being able to run five miles to being able to run 10 miles. Then maybe we run a half marathon or maybe even a marathon, and then we take a little break, and that little break never ends. We start eating like crap again, or we stop running again, or we, we just quit doing the things that got us to where we wanted to be to begin with. And that, that exact same thing would happen. When I was a distributor, it's funny because one year I got the award for consistency, and out of all the awards I ever got as a distributor, I have to say that one probably meant the most to me because as I reflected on my success the year I won that award, my checks began to be more, much more consistent. They weren't necessarily my biggest checks. Like I remember my biggest check I ever got as a distributor was 49000 some odd hundred dollars and the only reason I remember that is because if I had just purchased or sold like another three or $400 of the product, I would have broken a $50,000 check in one month. And that was cool. It was fun. It was a great experience. It was very marketable, not only for me and my prospects, but other distributors around me were able to kind of point and whisper and say, hey, that's the guy. He, he made you know, $49,800 last month or whatever it was. But it wasn't 50 and it was really close. But you know, guys, and it varies talking about reading his journals and going back and reflecting, and I've been doing a lot of reflecting lately as well. As I reflect back on the year that I, I think I won the award that year for teachability, and I had that big $49,000 check. But do you know the month after that, I don't know that I even made a check at all. It went from forty nine dollars to very little, 1000 or zero or whatever. And so, so when you take an almost $50,000 check in one month, but you throw up a goose egg the next month, well, that's not real consistent. Now your two-month average is only 25. And if you go a third month with a goose egg, 
Well, now your three-month average, and I don't know what 50,000 divided by three is, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? All of a sudden, your average goes down, down, down. Well, the year that I won the award for consistency, I'll tell you, and I don't mean this arrogantly, but I deserved it that year. I, I, had, I had kind of shaken myself, as Barry often says. I fired and rehired myself, and I started going back out and doing two-a-day 10-and-play. I started going back out and keeping product with me at all times. I, always, I started going to Chamber of Commerce events and B&I groups and looking for ways to network or stopping pe- not stopping people at Starbucks, but engaging people at Starbucks. Hey, man, I really like that watch. Where did you get that? Oh, that's a Breitling. That's beautiful. What do you do for a living? Oh, you're in real estate. That's cool. I work with a bunch of people in real estate. And, you know, just engaging in conversation, right? So started going back to the fundamentals. I started going back to the basics. And did I have another, you know, $49,800 check? No, I'll, I'll be very transparent with you. The year I won the consistency award, I don't think that I had a check over probably thirty-eight or we'll call it call it forty thousand dollars. Not bad checks, but not as big as almost fifty thousand. But the difference was, I eliminated the zeros. My checks ranged between twenty and forty every single month, so I made more money. I had less stress. I was less reactive. I just became consistent. And I'm not saying that like you guys don't know what the word means. I mean, you all know what it means. I started doing the, instead of, instead of not doing much for a week or two and then busting my butt for a week or two, like a crash diet or like a fad diet, right? Well, I won't eat for three weeks and then I can eat what I want. That's awful. It's bad for you. It's bad for your psyche. I got to tell you, it's not only bad for your body, it's bad to be thinking that way. Oh, I've got to get my summer body so I won't eat for the month of April. That is not how you do it. Oh, well, I've got a marathon coming up in six months. So I, the month before, man, I'm just going to jam in all my training. That's how you end up injured. That's how you end up, you know, not doing well at mile 20 or 21. or you know, they, call, they call it the wall, right? It's because you're not putting in the time consistently and early enough to have the results that you want. I mean, I'll tell you, and, and I'm just, this is just my little confessional, I was perfect on this 30-day diet, this 30-day hormonal reset, diet reset. I was perfect for, well, actually we had a wedding on the 30th day. But for 29 days, I was perfect. And fortunately for me, the, the diet did its job. My reflux was gone. My hormones were reset. My GI tract felt good. I had more energy. I was exercising. I mean, things were really good. Was the diet concluded? What did I do? Well, I started, you know, I'll try a cheeseburger and see how that makes me feel. Or maybe I'll have a, I'll have a cold adult beverage and see how that makes me feel. And, and sadly, but also fortunately for me, I discovered a lot of things that my body, whether, I, whether my taste buds like it or not, my body doesn't like it. And I have a reaction. It is not a good one. I start, you know, the reflux happens almost immediately. And my body responds in a way that says, okay, you have a choice to make. I, no, I, I do not live as rigid a lifestyle as I did for that 30 days of no alcohol, no sugar, no carbs, just regimented, regimented, regimented. I do not live that way every day. And I wouldn't want to, to be candid with you. But you know what? I don't drink sodas anymore. I don't eat donuts or kolaches anymore because they immediately not only make me feel bad physically, but they also make me feel bad mentally. I know those things do not serve me well. And when I make a conscious choice to have a donut hole because it's just sitting there and it looks so good and I just want it, my body says, okay, and then I pay for it immediately. Well, finances are no different. If I don't, I don't really want to call that prospect today or I, I don't want to bother him or her, you know, I'll, just, I'll just wait, and then you wait. And then you wait, and then you don't call, and then you don't follow up, and then all of a sudden a week's gone by, and then two weeks have gone by, and then your check is a zero, or it's not what it should or could have been because the disciplines and the actions weren't there for whatever reason, guys. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not a good time to follow up. You don't want to badger or browbeat, but it is a, there is a consistency component 
to, I mean, even, even setting it up front. Hey, Sam, listen, today's Monday. I'm, I know you haven't had a chance to try the product. I'm just now getting it to you. And, and so today's Monday. You're going to try it. I need to follow up with you on Thursday or Friday, and I'm going to have someone on the call who actually knows a little bit more about the, this particular subject matter than I do. just want to introduce you guys. I want to be able to answer any questions. How's, how's Friday at 10 a.m.? That is a discipline. You don't think necessarily that it is, oh, that's just good follow-up. No, it's a discipline. It's a discipline to hand someone a sample box and while sampling them, ask them when is a good time to follow up. That is a discipline. And what it does for you is it avoids, it helps you avoid wondering, well, am I following up too soon? Are they busy? Am I bothering them? Do they want to hear from me? Is this okay? You've, you've alleviated all of that from the front by simply saying, Barry, I'm going to give you this sample box. It's free to you. It's not free to me. Here, let me open it for you. This is how you take it. As a matter of fact, put this meter plus under your tongue. I, I, while we talk for the next five or ten minutes, you're going to feel a result. Guys, that sounds like a six-step program, and it is, but it is actually a discipline. It is a function of just what has to be done if you're going to be effective at sampling if you're going to be effective at following up. I mean, Barry is the best at closing people when the time is right, mind you. Not, hi, nice to meet you. Let me walk you through the comp plan. Where do you want to get started? I don't mean that. That Barry is a consummate professional at taking folks from, hi, nice to meet you. Tell me about yourself. Here's a little bit about us. Oh, I see some commonality and some synergy. Oh, you're tired of corporate America's crazy games too? Yes, yeah, so was I. Let's share some information with you, walk them through the presentation, walk them through the validity of the products, walk them through the science, and, of course, walk them through the strategy, the numbers, why it might be beneficial to them, how it makes sense, how they could integrate it into their current situation. And then when the time is right, Barry is a consummate professional at leading the horse to water and then just saying, okay, here's the water. Do you want to drink and how much? and in leading them to their own decision. But it is, that is not by happenstance. I mean, I, look, I'm not trying to say that Barry's not great on his feet, and I'm not trying to say that Barry's not a magical guy in front of the room, because he is. What I'm talking about is the consistency with which you deliver the information and the strategy and the plan that you have in your mind. And, and I say in your mind, you can even tell the person. If I'm prospecting somebody, I might say, look, I don't want to overwhelm you, so I'm just going to lay out the next, pardon me, I'm just going to lay out the next five to ten steps for you if I had my way. Okay, now let's pause there for a dramatic effect. If I say that to someone, say, look, if I had my way, this is what I would ask you to do. That's not saying this is what you have to do. Oh, you need to come to this meeting. You need to sign up. You, you Don't be aggressive. Don't be obnoxious. Just say, look, I don't have a magic wand, Barry, but listen, you've explained to me that you're getting in the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes the towels are folded. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you're doing laundry. Sometimes you're wiping the sweat off the machine. And then, by the way, you, you also let me know that you're there until about 8 o'clock at night every night. While it looks good on the outside, it doesn't sound like it's that great from the inside out. It doesn't sound like you've got much of a work-life balance. It doesn't sound like you've really got much of a portfolio you know, that you're building, you're spending what you're making. Right? I'm just repeating what Barry has told me about his situation. And then I'm going to lay out for him the next five or six steps. I say, look, I was in the same boat. I got involved with an organization, with a company, with products, with a comp plan, with people, whatever the, your why is. I got involved. Let me tell you what's happened for me in pretty short order. I haven't made a million dollars yet, but I now see a plan and a strategy separate and apart from what I've been doing every day anyway. I now, for probably the first time in 44 years, actually see a roadmap to where I can not only, not only earn six-figure residual income, but seven-figure residual income. And here's what I would ask of you, Barry. Would you try some free product and give me your direct and honest feedback? Would you talk to Dr. So-and-so or Olga who made 30, you know, who did 30-something thousand dollars in business last month? You know, leverage someone in the organization. So would you try free product, give me honest feedback, connect with someone in my organization, and consider plugging into this dinner on this date or this dinner on that date or this lunch on this date to further your own due diligence. And at any point, 
you receive enough information that you can make an educated decision to either get involved or to not get involved, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And this is what I like to tell people. Look, Joe, Sally, Sam, Karen, whomever, all I want from you is your own due diligence so that when you look back in 12 months, in the event you got involved with us, I want that to be the best decision you've ever made in hindsight. And in the event you don't get involved with us, looking back 12 months, I want that to be like the best decision you ever made in hindsight. I just want you to do enough due diligence to get to the point today that whatever decision you make, you will feel like it was a good decision a year from now. And if that's not to get involved, no problem. But you don't have enough information to make that decision today. Nor do you have enough decision, information to make the decision today to get involved. So let's get you that information. Guys, we're educating. We're feeding them information to try to get them to a point. Of course, we want to dazzle them. We want to wow them with our communication. We want to wow them with our presentations. We want to wow them with our marketing materials. We want to wow them with our dinners. But at the end of the day, it's not smoke and mirrors. We're not trying to sell something that doesn't have teeth or doesn't have legs. We're just looking for the right people to go out who want to earn a hundred grand or or a million dollars because the way we become a hundred million or a billion dollar company is a subset of people who want a smaller component of that. So as an example, if someone said to me, you know, man, if I can if I could just have build an organization, I've done the math. And if I could build an organization that did a million dollars a year, that would throw off $50,000 a month to me in residual income, and I would, that, that is exactly what I want. Well, if I want a $100 million company, and I have someone telling me they want to build a million-dollar organization, well, I only need 100 of those people, and we're a $100 million company, right? Does that make sense? We need 1,000 of those people, and we're a billion-dollar company. Well, how do you get to a, a million dollars a year in gross revenue in your distributorship? Ten people that want to do a hundred thousand, or twenty people that want to do just fifty thousand. I'll just give you one example: Olga, and I'm going to brag on Olga. Olga did somewhere between thirty and thirty-five thousand dollars in volume in the month of June alone. So, by not by herself, but I mean her personal volume, personal group volume in the month of June was about 30 to, I think it's about 32 or $33,000. Well, how many Olgas do you need to do $100,000 of monthly uh, uh, volume? Well, you need about three. If she did, if she did $32,000, $33,000 in one month, then you need three Olgas to have the June that Olga had, and you just did $100,000 in volume. That's it. I mean, it's that simple. And if you did that, if you had those three people and they were doing consistent volume, Olga was, Olga was good for 33000 a month every month, and Joseph was good for 33000 a month every month, and, and Gail was good for 33000 a month every month. Well, those three people in your organization would be $100,000 a month. At the end of the year, your organization would be $1.2 million. Guys, it doesn't take 10 people or 20 people. The only reason it does take 20, 30, or 40 people to get that consistent volume is because the people are inconsistent. And that is not a knock. Guys, it's not a knock. Sean Baker did 49,000 one month and zero the next. It's just a mathematical fact. I was inconsistent. I'm not beating myself up. I'm not self-deprecating. I'm just saying it was inconsistent. So Olga last month, and this isn't a challenge, Olga. I'm not trying to throw down the gauntlet on you here, but you did thirty-three thousand last month. Will you do thirty-three thousand this month, or will you do ninety, or will you do three? Like that. Like that's why you need twenty, thirty, forty, fifty people in your organization for a while until your leaders evolve. I mean, I'd say there was a guy named Paul that was my mentor when I was a distributor. For, for Barry's other company or for our other company. And, and the guy, I mean, look, every month, every month, he was knocking down a 30 deal, a 30, a 60, a 45, somewhere in that ballpark every month. Now, his organization, you know, there were months they did 500,000 in a given month, and I'm not exaggerating. And there were other months that the only volume that happened was the volume he, he did himself. And so that's why you need the masses of people, at least for a while, 
is because, you know, Olga had a great month. And I, it looks like she's probably about to have another great month, probably better than June if we can get everything locked up. And that's the beginning of that consistency I'm talking about. When Olga knocks down 33, 32, 33,000 in June, and let's just say 60,000 in July, now she's poised, she's got the juice, she's got the mojo, she's got the momentum, whatever you want to call it, and she's poised to go into August almost with a new expectation, almost with that like, well, yeah, I'm going to do 30. I, did, I mean, I did 33, I did 60. I'm not going to go back. I'm going to do 90 or I'm going to do 60 again. Like you start to get that. And I, I remember when I was, when I was running, um, which I've kind of I've, I've gotten back into, but I've laid off a little bit. I had a, a, a muscle injury. But when I was really, really running uh, probably September, August, September, two years ago, and I mean like I was getting up there, starting to get closer to 10 miles, I started having an unspoken expectation. When I hit the pavement, I, without even thinking about it, I knew what my last three-mile run was, and I was going to beat it by five seconds or three seconds or ten seconds. I sure as hell wasn't going to do worse than my last run, right, which sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. But, but my mental uh, state going into that run was I'm going to do better than last time. Now, better may mean I'm not going to walk, right? I, I don't care what my time is, but I'm going to run five miles no walking. Well, that may be a goal for me, right, or, or maybe I don't mind walking, but if I walk, I have to make it up, and so I want to beat my time by 30 seconds, whatever the case may be. But it comes back to those disciplines. It comes back to that consistency, and it comes back to leaving it all out there. Once you achieve a goal, then readjust it and set a higher goal by a, by a small amount. If, if Olga did 33,000, maybe she doesn't jump to 60. Maybe she says, okay, I did 33, I want, to do, I want to do 40. Or maybe she says, I want to double it. I did 30, I want to do 60. And then I did 60, I want to do 120. Everyone's different. But the bottom line is, and this is what I wanted to conclude with as I kick it back over to Barry, guys, this is life, and I, sometimes I know it, and I believe it, and I embrace it, and other times I want to stick my head in the sand and say, no, it's, it's, everything's going to be okay. The one consistent thing in life is change. And if you are not growing, you are shrinking. Nothing is ever stagnant. So if you're not moving forward, you are, in fact, moving backwards. If you're not growing your business, your business is, in fact, shrinking. It's not stagnant. It's not on hold. It's not still. It is growing or it is shrinking. And when I had that epiphany about my own life, every day is a gift. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. So today's what you have, right? So if I plan on running, I can't run tomorrow. I have to run today. If I plan on eating better, I can't eat better tomorrow. I have to eat better today. If I need to call and follow up with that prospect, I don't call tomorrow. I call today unless it was set to call tomorrow. That, of course, is, is forward progress. Knowing you have appointments, knowing you have things on the schedule, of course, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you have a prospect that is not on the schedule to follow up with, then there is tomorrow. You follow up with that prospect today, even if that's just setting an appointment to follow up for next week. Reach out to that person today. You know, not to sound cliche, but carpe diem is a very you know, popular and common Latin phrase still used today, meaning seize the day. And so I would just encourage you, if you are looking to run or walk or exercise or start reading or reading your Bible or praying or journaling or following up with prospects on your business or following up with prospects on product that you sample them, do it today. There is no tomorrow. Your business is growing or your business is shrinking. And trust me, guys, we're here to help you have it grow. So with that, it's 931. I'll conclude. Barry, I'm glad you're back. Thanks so much for your, your, your encouraging words today. And guys, Look, Dallas on Thursday, Belton on the 29th, great events coming up. We'll probably be having one somewhere in between all of that or just shortly after back here in Houston. So we're here to help. We're here to help grow your business. We're here to help you succeed in any way that we possibly can. And with that, Barry, I'll kick it back to you. Thank you. Hey, Sean, great job this morning. Really good stuff. Um, you know, I stand here reminded of a lot of the things uh, you know, that, that uh, you were sharing, and, and it really is true. The subset, I mean, I, the, the big takeaway that I really uh, have is that you get, you get to where you want to go because you have a subset of people that are, that are in the process of getting to where they want to go. They've all accepted these ideas of, of recognizing for things to change, they have to change. To become, to get more, they have to become more, and that's the beginning. Once you have that in place, man, 
everything starts to grow and build and develop. The foundation is set, and, and amazing things happen. It's hard. And listen, we're not telling you that you don't have to become somewhat repetitious to hear this. You do. You have to expose yourself to an environment of, of inspiration, uh, of basically learning you know, how you can put it into action, and then growing from it. And, and that's where everything begins to change. So, man, great stuff, Sean. appreciate you so much. And, guys, we're going to have a phenomenal week, and we're looking forward to all this to come, uh, you know, this, this week up uh, in Fort Worth. And then beyond that, uh, out in Belton, we've got some remote meetings. want to challenge all of you to get the information, go online. You can see the event schedule. And take it upon yourself to get outside of your comfort zone and go and do what other people typically won't do. What people will not do is they won't put themselves into a position of accountability and say, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to do everything I can to bring somebody. What most people do, and this is in life, they'll say, if I can get someone to go, then I'll go. Well, just ask yourself a simple question. What do you think the probability is of getting someone else to go if you make the decision to go first? What do you think the probability is of you attracting successful people after you become successful? What do you think the probability is of you being able to teach, train, develop people once you treat, teach, train, and develop yourself? It's much, much higher. So anyway, guys, with that said, have a phenomenal day. God bless, and we look forward to talking to you very soon. Bye-bye.